0: Last week on Channel Massive, we had a bunch of news discussion. We talked about EVE's most devastating betrayal to date. We talked about patent trolls finally getting a comeuppance if the politicians are successful. There were, of course, more Microsoft stories, as well as League of Legends and Dota 2 news. But most of all, and perhaps least of all, we talked about quitting (laughs) DDO.
1: I can't quit you. This is XQ, folks. XQ quality, better than HQ, but no one knows what the X
0: stands for, except for extremely good. Here we go. Two hundred fifty-nine <laughs> of Channel Massive side Quest. It came from like the hostage. south.
1: Yeah, oh, that was perfect. <laughs> I just, I actually saw the little gnome saying it right then and there.
0: And that's our special title because we have a special co-host with us in this episode. Straight out of Alabama, Southern Fried Scott banjo entrance
1: music yeah cue the dueling banjos or uh, I don't know there's a lot of options there is
2: here as they say we are
0: entertain us Southern Scott on short notice no less
2: oh no problem and I will entertain you with a very very southern uh, radio commercial that I heard today the uh, in Birmingham this weekend is the World Deer Expo.
1: Not the no. chigger stuff competition. No, the, the World Deer stuff. Expo <laughs> with
2: with Tommy and Bubba from Swamp People,
1: Lizard Lit Coing,
2: oh, and the All White Tail biki- All Star Bikini Team. Oh my! And God. a live and
1: predator animal display.
0: What? Holy- a live predator animal display?
1: That's what they I, said. I don't know what it is. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to check to see if my United Miles can get me there. If I might have I was time. i the guy to hear at the very end. In the mud! <laughs> In the is mud.
0: Oh, and there's my a white tail bikini team.
2: Yeah, The it's the all star white tail bikini team, whatever the hell that means. I mean, I'm guessing white tail is the deer, but it. It may so, not I thought,
1: be. I thought they it's just t- thought t- at t- the, t- the same time, you know, g-stringy. So
2: I thought it was pretty.
1: <laughs> cool. I, I I believe it implies that when they tan, they don't do it in the nude, so that when they take their bottoms off, they have a rather white tail.
2: I had debated not to go until I heard lizard-like towing crew is going to be there. I mean, come on. Yeah, well, you
1: got to go for that.
0: <laughs> and then you got tickets for you and the whole family.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh. <No. laughs> In this
0: episode, we are going to provide some better guidance as to why we've abandoned DDO and also talk about our second group night attempt with Planetside 2.
1: Or you can call it Planetfall 2 if it makes Planet you feel good. Planetfall 2. Well, that's, <laughs> that's, so. that's where I tried to work on show notes before I got my caffeine this morning and mixed Firefall with Planetside Side. Ending and up you
0: with... were consistent about it. You continued. called it Planet Fall.
1: I was. And at first, I was... thought you
0: were making a joke. I'm like, are you, are you saying Planet Fail? No, Planet Fall.
1: Planet Fall. It was, It would have been a much better name.
0: We also have a massive news segment with dozens of stories that are going to be shared very equanimically.
1: And this time, they don't all come from Polygon. They don't. They're from all over the place.
0: They are. Yeah.
1: But, and that was a nice word you used too.
0: Well, thank you. I I don't think I've ever used that in conversation, so I'm glad that I saved it for a podcast.
1: Yeah. <laughs> it worked well and we will um when next time we see awesome. you, we will give you your ten cents for invoking that word because it was awesome. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Normally it's Mark that does that. It's Mark has a vastly superior vocabulary to mine.
1: Well it was very, well, very deaf, this, you know. Mo-
0: yeah. <laughs> very well done. Nice.
1: Mostly I just know Spanish curse words.
0: <laughs> <laughs> we would love to hear what you think about this show. Email us your thoughts, your reactions, your questions, your challenges to mail, M-A-I-L. at com. You can also leave us a review over on iTunes. You can also follow us on Twitter. The Twitter. Our official Twitter the will Twitter. let you know primarily when we're going to have our next game night, what's the game going to be that we're playing, what time is it going to be at, And it will also let you know potentially when we're recording, but definitely when a new episode's been posted. That is at Channel Massive. There is also three other Twitters you can follow. Mine is at This Is Noah. Mark's is at C.O. Markham, and Scott is just trying to get in at the basement level of Twitter. I think would you have like three (laughs) followers?
2: I have like six. The whole with point like of my the, the whole point of my Twitter account though is to keep up with packs so that I going to order
1: tickets on time so <laughs> Oh good, good play. Well, so got for. And and he put in the show notes although I can't say I am worth following. So it should be really exciting to follow what he has to say.
0: <laughs> we also have RoboMark as I call it manning our Facebook page.
1: I am I am doing a hell. Of, I have not missed a beat.
0: Facebook.com slash channel massive, that will let you know via technology the moment our episode posts. So it
1: cross post to Twitter too, right? Or yeah, TV you have that? it
0: set up to. You have your 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 co Markham and the Facebook page are set up to do that. Channel massive is still manually updated by moi.
1: Yeah, my hope was that. Because I knew it would auto-update, I would then go in and edit it and put all kinds of cool stuff. And I'm still hoping that happens someday. I'm I'm <laughs> but disappointed your in artistic myself. Artistic
0: muse descends <laughs> upon. You're
1: you know, hoping yeah. the automation goes all the way to the
2: point of adding content, aren't you?
1: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I really am. I I think I need to in, add some wetware to this process because the software's there, but the uh, but um, the weakest link is me. <laughs>
0: Before we get into our news, we wanted to do a follow-up. One of the topics we had last week, or the final thing that we mentioned in our news segment last week, was the Steam sale had launched the same day that we had been recording. And Mark and I were just like, oh, man, this is going to be bad, but maybe we'll practice restraint. And Mark was already getting sucked in yeah. just
1: by opening Steam. is like, they've already got me. Don't you remember? You were like, hmm, I wonder what's on sale at Steam. And I was like, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then we made guesses about how many titles each of us would purchase because both Mark and I have fallen into the siren song call of giant publisher level bundles. And we both have over 100 or maybe even over 200 games in our individual libraries and so it's like, do we have everything we could possibly need? Are we really going to buy that many, if any, games in this sale? And Mark, you predicted that you would buy five or less
1: titles. I I was very comfortable with that number. I thought, yes, I can practice restraint. And as it turns out, it started out innocently enough with Dark Souls and Borderlands 2. Now, Dark Souls, I start, this is interesting. I started to install that. Realized I needed a Microsoft login and that it was part of the Microsoft Live experience and uninstalled it. So, that tells you my love and joy with Microsoft. I will try and get develop some patience and try it again. Um, but anyway, I did Dark Souls and Borderlands 2 that night. And then I thought, I'm fine, I can resist. And then I saw the universe sandbox for like 199 the next day. And that looks just so cool because you can like collide galaxies or... You can you can do all kinds of different things with the solar system and, and uh, galaxies, the planets. So I got that for like one ninety nine, and I, my thought was I'd use it as an educational tool with the kids. Immediately, though, I went and made Earth the size of the sun, which, <laughs> interestingly enough, it flung Mercury and Venus off in different directions, completely out of the solar system. Um, the Earth turned into a star... Jupiter was kind of unaffected, although it gained this really weird orbit. Saturn was had this crazy orbit, started to just go nuts. Um, and Mars I never found. I don't know what happened to Mars. It was crazy. So that was, that was my experience with that. Then, kind of excited about space and stuff, I bought the Kerbal Space Program, which I don't know if you're familiar with that, but it's pretty cool, kind of a sandboxy type thing. Uh, Gary's Mod. Far Cry, Far Cry 2, and Far Cry 3 Blood Dragon. So, that's a total of eight, which means I have no restraint in me. Although, because all of these were single games, not the big, like, AAA bundles that are, you know, older, um, my grand total in spending is not quite as bad as it has been in <laughs> summers past. <laughs>
0: that's good. And you actually got some cool titles. You actually ended up getting some ones that I either wanted to get or I, I purchased. And I think my, predict- my prediction was even more conservative. I'm like, I think I'm only going to get three, which I believe I blew way past that within Ugh. the same evening because I went home like, it's just, it's only five bucks or it's only three bucks.
2: Maybe you went three today.
0: Yeah, so I said three and let's count how many I got on the same Nine. So I did triple. <laughs> 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 Triple I thought I you
1: bought more than Mark. <laughs>
0: Only one. And keep in mind, the sale has not ended.
1: He's going to catch up to me in, in a while.
0: <laughs> so I ended up getting the
1: Cave, which is an I almost got game. that. I almost got that. I've heard yeah, that's about it.
0: Well, you know, you can't go wrong with those gentlemen. They have such a pedigree, and it was a really low price. And I, I was aware that I'd gotten kind of average to middling reviews but i still wanted to get it. it's like okay I, I really don't have an excuse to not get it at this price so i got it that i got i already got that and then on your encouragement mark i got borderlands 2 with the idea that we can play that on a game yeah. right,
1: sometimes and, in the future and scott did you get borderlands 2 as well i have not i really, mm. really should i would really love to play it with you three guys yeah i think it'd be a lot of fun yeah then well, I got. I, I, I mean, it's ten bucks. It's hard not.
2: It's hard to say no. To that. Oh, so. and it's
1: awesome. I've I've played just through the beginning, and it is. It's just the, the like humor of it is just awesome. Can I can I spoil it real quick a little for you guys, or should I hold off? Sure. Yeah. Nah. Go ahead. So you start out and there's these this little robot guy on one wheel that kind of he's boxy looking. Like the trap. clap yeah. trap, and he was in the first one too, or his equivalent, and um. He's like he's like, Oh man, you know you found me, thank goodness But there's this there's this terrible creature in this lair and, and and he's known for just ripping people's eyes out and all this stuff and so of course you go there and the first thing that happens is the terrible creature comes, ignores you, rips the eye out of the robot claptrap, <laughs> he's totally freaking out. He's like, Oh no, I'm blind, I'm blind and he was like, Please help me get my eye back, it's all I've got and so then of course and he's totally frantic and he's Crashing into everything around you, which is just hilarious to watch. And that totally sets the tone for it. So, you know, it's got, like, all the classic, like, Diablo stuff, but with a different, you know, a 3D shooter type perspective. Yeah, there's it's got, loot. There's incredible incredible loot with the weird, you know, the same crazy weapon randomization thing from a typical, like, um, click and kill, like, Diablo. But the... And the best part it, is just but the humor. Path, the magical mix, like Torchlight 2, I think just, it may,
2: I think it does. I really, it's, it's all in frequency and variance, and
1: uh, it does. Plus, it has story and incredible humor, and it's like this cool cell shaded graphics engine,
0: which it is, is first, first person first, shooter, though, right?
1: Yeah, it's first person shooter, but it's the first cell shaded graphics engine that I've ever thought looked actually really good. Mm-hmm. Oh, so you're a piece of shit. I'm sorry, man. Now remember, Scott, don't start downloading it because I know you're buying it right now. Until after the podcast, I mean, don't click the install button. Yeah, but yeah, it's, it <laughs> just is purchase. Really, yeah, because yeah, but it's it's great. It's really cool. I'm I'm really excited to play it, but I almost am holding off just to play it with some friends. So yeah, I would be all about
0: that. So I yeah. have that, and then based on so many great stories, and I think stories from Jason about it, I got The Witcher one and two. Because those were super cheap. And then I got on the recommendation of my friend Justin, To the Moon, which is a 16-bit style adventure game that's much more story than anything else. But apparently it's really good. Retrograde, which is a new rhythm game. And it's, you know those old space shooters like R-Type, where it's scrolling to the side? I love
1: side scrolling.
0: It's like that, except it's in reverse. So. You're moving your going ship up. right to town. left? <laughs> no, it's like it's in Rewind. Like the bullets oh. are playing in reverse. So, like, you're moving your ship to capture the bullets Oh wow. in your ship to the beat of the music. It's something really weird, but it looks really cool. So that, and then Gunpoint, which I recommended all of you all, all of you via email when it went on sale. It's a really basic graphics, side-scrolling, platforming, stealth, puzzle platformer game, which looks really great. Got really good reviews. And then Evoland, which is an RPG that starts with black and white Game Boy-type graphics, and then as you progress through it, then it gets to Game Boy Color, and then it's like 16-bit Super Nintendo Genesis-type graphics, and then it upgrades to Nintendo 64-era Love Era PlayStation One graphics, and then it actually gets to modern-day graphics. So it's kind of cool. You see. And then the gameplay is also the same way, where it's first all from the side and the monster monsters aren't animated they're just these big portraits and then they start being animated in the higher level graphics and they're full 3d models and so everything evolves like you're playing a different rpg from each major point in video game history but it's the same
1: really cool which one which one is that again
0: it's called evoland
1: oh yeah, yeah yeah i saw that i was wondering what that was so have you ever played um have you ever played Beat Hazard or Beat Hazard yeah. Ultra? Yeah, I have
0: that on my Xbox 360.
1: I see that they've, um, speaking of recent stories where they're talking about how, like, our phones and our um, pads and stuff are going to
0: supplant everything. Yeah.
1: They've got a Humble Bundle for Android. The the It's Humble Bundle with Android 5 launched, and mm-hmm. um, it's got um, Beat Hazard Ultra in that as well. Which, I love it. I know you, it is so cool. It do, it doesn't like look that great at first, but man, I was playing it. And my kids were into it, and they were like, "Make the music louder," you know. So it's <laughs> kind of cool. Anyway, sorry.
0: Oh, no, that's fine. I only had one other game, which of course you just heard me get kind right, of, right. and that was Deus Ex: Human Revolution. Because it's only three bucks. It's
1: supposed to so, have a great great story.
2: Okay. I yeah. thought you didn't want to play it on the on your PC though.
0: That was a different game. that was uh, Far Far Cry Blood Dragon I want to play that with all of its 80's gloriousness on my living room big screen
1: TV yeah I don't blame you Yeah. Yeah.
2: well I mean actually outside of the few things that we've talked about tonight I really bought nothing on the sale I bought two games within that time period but (laughs) either one of them were on sale
0: and you taunted us with the fact that, while well, Mark and I are bloated, our
2: library, yes.
0: at least, our, our game of... Our no, game no, I'm, I'm also
2: bloated. Bloated. I'm, I'm below 25 games on in my Steam library. Ever. Ever. Yes, total not game. Not
0: just there. like sitting there, because I've got dozens upon dozens of games that i purchased. They're not even downloaded. <laughs> They're just grayed out. Like, the number of games that I actually have installed is probably under 25. But, but I let's say...
2: Outside of triple A titles, I have, I have probably two games that would can be considered not triple A titles.
0: Well, and see, I purchased the Telltale bundle, which has all of those episodic adventure games, and so it's like Sam and Max episode one, Sam and Max episode two, Walking Dead episode 1. Walking oh, yeah, yeah one. Yeah. So that makes your, I will say that makes my library that inflates your total inflated. Yes. <laughs> it's I not included. trying to rationalize it. <laughs> but yeah, that's where we stand currently. I don't know if we're going to actually get anything else after this. I, I feel like I've sated my my hunger.
1: Yeah. Until <laughs> something
2: else goes on sale tomorrow. You know... <laughs>
1: I don't really have the notes for a story about it, but speaking of steam and stuff and you know how they're headed in a kind of linuxy direction for their um steam box and stuff, yeah. there was like some major progress made in um linux's ability to emulate um Windows with their wine project and stuff. It also mm-hmm. uh, works for mac os but they had there's a lot of uh n- notes out there today on on some progress they've made with that as well as being able to emulate DirectX. so that's nothing you know you can say will definitely help them if they wanted to port stuff over but um there's definitely progress being made in emulating Windows stuff on a Linux platform It's great yeah like a, I'm sure a native port is gonna be awesome or especially all these game engines and development suites that are out like uh, Unity 3D and stuff that lets you just Mm -hmm. make a a target directly to Linux. But some of this other stuff is really looking promising. So it's all coming together for Valve, I'm telling you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And with that, let's dive right into our massive list of news.
1: So we'll start it out with something that I I ran across today that I thought was just hilarious. Um, I'm not sure exactly how this works at Zynga for their support for customer issues, but (laughs) it sounds like um, the Zynga game Coasterville was telling users to email a certain address if something went wrong. And so that was kind of their whole support angle for this game. Well, unfortunately for them, that email address didn't belong to a Zynga employee. It was, in fact, owned by someone named Eric Mueller, who owns the domain ThemePark.com. And I guess they had probably Zynga had probably at some point meant to get ThemePark.com as a domain name you know, to have one of, to, to for their collection of, of marketing stuff for Coasterville. Mm-hmm. But they didn't. And so this guy it, uh uses this domain for his web design firm. So he's fairly savvy. He started to get all these emails from users of the Zynga game Coasterville who were having issues and wanted wanted <laughs> help. And and what's really funny about it is he honestly tried to to get a hold of Zynga And uh, the buzzword bingo word would, of course, be reach out to Zynga, and uh, and say, you know, guys, I think there's a mistake here. This is not the right um, email address. I'm getting all your user support mail, and he just got no answer. And so this went on for like a month, and he finally decided that he would just start answering their emails. (laughs) But he did it. He did it. He did it in a kind of Humorous slant. It was probably very therapeutic for him. So um, here's a selection of some of the responses. I'll just try and pick out the best ones. But Uh, One person was having some problems with the game, and he wrote back, I know that for Canada Day, the engineering department wraps the .ca servers, which is, of course, the, the usual domain that goes to a Canadian thing, uh, they wrapped they wrapped the CA servers in Canadian flags, and then they set a plate of poutine on top of it. I hope I pronounced that right. This sometimes can cause the server to overheat, and sometimes even get gravy into the login logout module. <laughs> I thought that might be what was going on, but I checked with the Canadian server techs, and they are telling me that the Canada Day uh, thing passed over without incident, and the servers all enjoyed their break and are back to running fine. However... <laughs> I told them that wasn't the case and explained the problems you are having with the game. And they suggested another fix for specifically Canadian players. Here's what they say to try. Do you have a hockey jersey? If so, you should lay it across your keyboard and then try to enter the game. If that doesn't work, put the jersey on and give it another shot. And he just, he just continued on with this. And it is, it is hilarious, some of the solutions he gave him, because that was probably the least likely one to work but he also did some things where he told them that they needed to just move the cursor really, really slow. <laughs> or he told them to like these ridiculous key combinations that was like a backdoor uh, that they could try. And instead said, it's like a cheat code that can force the button to activate because people were claiming this stuff. Um, I guess eventually um, what happened was Kotaku contacted Zynga to confirm that there was something wrong. And they told us this, that this was a very rare thing but it, they essentially fixed the glitch from as far as office space terminology goes, and they have now reset the uh, customer support thing to not go to this guy anymore, which is too bad because I thought it was really funny how he handled it.
0: Just hearing you talk about that, Mark, makes me feel like that's how you would handle the situation.
1: Oh, God, absolutely. And I have done <laughs> things similarly to that. You have? Um, yeah, I was at work one day, and I got this I got this. Um, IM from someone who – Got the wrong, uh, you, it's like our OCS, um, you know, our office communicator at work is like our own IM solution. And I got this unsolicited uh, OCS message from this lady who's like, I can't believe he's saying this. The guy is such an idiot. I just don't know what he's going to do. And then I wrote back and said, really? Who are you talking about? Please tell me more. And then, then like there was this long delay, right? And then the lady writes back you're not who I meant to send this to. I, and I wrote back, I know, but still, I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> Please include point, me in your point, <laughs> you she just quit talking to me. <laughs> it was so funny, though. You should
0: have like kept sending her additional messages throughout the day, uh, like, are you ready to tell me yet?
1: I really want to know about this person. It was <laughs> so funny. I just love it. That's so funny. <laughs> but, yeah, that is exactly what I would have done, yeah. And so I, I really love that that story, so you can check it out.
0: The rest of our news stories that you're going to hear, listeners, are actually in chronological order, basically as they happen in the week since we recorded our last episode, and something that I definitely wanted to make sure we talked about, even though it happened the Friday after we recorded our last episode, so it, it technically happened before you could even hear our last episode but that the U.S. government actually recognized League of Legends players as pro-athletes. So the, the U.S. State Department said, all right, this is really an official sport. Therefore, out of country or or people who aren't U.S. residents, they can actually apply for and receive visas to come to the U.S. and play this game as a professional athlete, which this is, aside from – more superficial things like the next the season three championship for league of legends is going to be held at the staples center which is a huge facility and i mean we're talking nba level sized facility is going to be used for league of legends that you can also say let's say that you're a really great chinese player or somewhere else in the world and you want to join a team that's based in the u.s you can do it you can get a visa And come over and apparently Riot has been working on it quite a ways. They have a vice president of esports named Dustin Beck who said that it was a long process. We had to get endorsements from participants and proof that this is a consistent, viable career path and people can make a living playing games. Which is like, wow, that's something that historically we've only talked about that happening in South Korea, but now it is finally happening over here in the US.
1: Is your um is your pro gamer buddy Ryan still playing? That, do you know? Have you talked to him lately?
0: I don't know. Actually, I was. We were reminiscing just today over I Am about that flash video over on Newgrounds called Dot Dot Dot, where it's a really dramatic reading of a really poorly written review of oh. a adventure game. We were reminiscing about that, but I actually didn't ask him about this. But next time I yeah. talk to him, I'll have to. I liked a, an additional comment that Beck said. He wrote, A lot of people have been dismissive of. Video gaming as a profession because, or as a, as a sport because they don't understand the scope of it. Our viewership numbers are stronger than 80 or 90% of the sports covered on ESPN. In Shanghai, for the all-star event that was held in May 2013, we had 18 million unique viewers. We Holy. are seeing growth over growth for every subsequent event that we do. Well,
2: I mean, that would be a huge Nielsen rating. I was yeah. even all over it. Yeah, it would be
1: a huge Nielsen rating. I mean, 2 million is big. I mean, for U.S. for like a Nielsen rating for a show, so uh, eighteen million. Yeah, that's yeah.
2: I mean, Sharknado amazing. got like one point seven million, and it was enough to
1: give it a, a sequel. It got one point seven million. Yeah, <laughs> I know, I know. There's Sharknado two now. That's how I really wish quick, seen that.
0: It sounds so ridiculous.
1: <laughs> the- the YouTube uh, oh, trailer for sci They'll show it a dozen times. <laughs> what's What's so funny about it is there's one scene for the trailer where m- mostly the sharks are aligned with the flow of the air, so they look like they're actually just these vicious sharks like flying around in a circle inside of a tornado. <laughs> but there's one one scene where they're not, and it just looks like they're just the unfortunate sharks falling out of this tornado cloud. Like they're like, "What the fuck? I was swimming." So, <laughs> it's it's pretty funny. It's it's Sharknado Two will surely be even better.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. Back on to Riot Games. One other story that was really interesting, especially considering all the negative press that the video game development and publishing industry receives, as far as a workplace or as a career path choice, Riot Games was in the top five of companies of the best 25 tech companies in a survey that's composed by Glassdoor and Business Insider.
1: Holy crap. Glassdoor is really, uh, that's a pretty serious company as far as calling it like they see it. Cause they, cause basically you log into it and you describe your experience at a company. I mean, it's not like it's yeah, some it, it stupid service. Yeah.
0: Anonymous employee feedback. And yeah. that basically the employees anonymously said enough positive comments to get Riot Games ranked number four. And actually, it was the only video game company on the top
2: 25 Oh, well, yeah, list. because everybody else gets their people <laughs> after the well, game yeah. every game.
1: So. No, I was talking to a, my neighbor does, like, AI stuff, and we were both talking about why we wouldn't get into the uh, game industry traditionally while, well, well, like, being an indie developer has an appeal. But the traditional route with, like, a, you know, a place that does AAA stuff... It's you know sixty to seventy hours a week expected, and yep. for money that really doesn't match up with what we've been able to That's get. So true. Our careers, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and you know, and then of course mostly you know that once you finish the game you're going to be laid off. So to see this is just awesome. I mean that that is I mean hats off to Riot.
0: Yeah, there was an interesting. There were a couple comments that were included over in the summary about the survey over on Polygon. One saying the company takes ridiculously good care of us and tries every step of the way to make sure we're engaged culturally, intellectually and socially with industry and each other. It's by far the best place I've ever worked. However, in another comment, they have a culture of camaraderie, but also a culture of high standards. As a result, people will let, people will get let go that you might have had a personal connection with. So apparently there's a high turnover there. As well, in spite of how glowing it is,
2: but you have high yeah they they're really going to help you have a you know a full life help you- empower you to be a good employee, but they expect you to work <laughs> this is the way yeah. I read that you have to do your job well to keep your job shocking i know <laughs>
0: <laughs> numerically <laughs> aside from the actual ratings the uh right got a score of four point four out of five. Valve actually got a 5 out of 5, but it didn't have enough employees or didn't have enough employee entries to qualify for the list. Most of the video game publishers otherwise that we know fall in the 3.0 to 3.5 range. And the number one company,
1: Facebook. Wow.
0: That surprised me, too. That is wow. That's surprising. Followed by Guidewire and then Riverbed.
1: Riverbed? Wow. I'm surprised Networks. to hear it. Yeah. Networks. Networks. Well, network. <laughs> Networks. Networks. <Yeah. laughs> I
2: mean, it makes a good appliance. So, I mean, they I, do.
1: They're, they're about the only one in the game that, I mean, can do what when they you're do. you're trying to yeah. optimize your bandwidth for Windows file shares or whatever, they're the ones you look to. That's right.
0: Now, for a little Microsoft news for you, the first of several stories in our news, we talked the other week about how Microsoft did a an about face on all of the more draconian and stringent policies related to sharing and ownership of games and by doing By so doing that, they also removed some features that people really sad to see go such as family sharing, which I feel it never was completely understood correctly or well-communicated, but people really wanted the feature. And as it turns out, just this week, Microsoft Corporate Vice President Mark Witten has said that may still come back, which is not a shock to me. I think that almost everything that's been about-faced will still come back once they figure out how to promote it.
2: Oh, yeah. But yeah, I would agree with that.
0: Witten said directly, taking family sharing out of the launch window is not about, we're going to take our toys and go home or something like that. It was just sort of the logistics of how do we get this very, very clear request that people really want, that choice, and how do we make sure we can do an excellent job of that, get to launch, and then be able to build a bunch of great features. In the future, I think you're going to see the ways that we change how you discover how you consume, share, play.
1: We've just got to talk
0: more about what our system is.
2: He's, he's it's not change. that hard. Let me pick ten people on my Xbox Live subscription that I can share games with. Done.
1: Yeah. <sighs> oh, will they the ever the pull thing. their heads out of their communal communal asses? We'll Those go slightly people.
2: out of order, and we'll—I guess—we can talk about the Surface tablet prices being cut. Oh yeah. Forward, right? Um, which I think this is more—you know—the cut was um you know what, 150 bucks across the board for the device. And it was, you know, a couple of days ago that was kind of promoted as Microsoft's getting aggressive trying to, you know, begin to, you know, really commit to the to the marketplace and try to, you know, add mm-hmm. to their footprint. But today, of course, they had their their earnings call for this last quarter, and they took a $900 million hit on their Surface tablet. Mm. So that's probably what they... they. Uh, I'm betting they have inventory that they can't get rid of. Mm-hmm. Which, it's arguable that... You know, um, there's no surprise. Windows 8 has not had any traction. I mean, it's 3% of the, of the deployment of uh, Microsoft OS at the moment, which is less than... When the Vista, for Christ's sakes! I mean, yeah, that that one of, hurts. Um, I understand what they're trying to do, but I think they they went too much too fast when so yeah. much of their bread and butter is enterprise that uh, you know they should have. Well,
0: should've and they've gone only for cut more. the price of the Windows RT Surface tablets. The Surface Pro tablets are still at the same price.
1: Yeah,
2: which is which is, which really is overpriced. Yeah, exactly. And the whole point of a Microsoft product is wow. It's a tablet I can join to my domain at my office,
1: but not the Surface RT. <laughs> but, no. but not, yeah, I know. And <laughs> the product that you're trying to get rid of. Got it. <laughs> no, the Pro is the Pro is pretty slick for Microsoft-centric companies. I mean, I could see it as a nice alternative to an iPad, but a lot of it is—is is there's so so much
2: third-party development has not caught up to the Windows 8 platform. That right. It's going to be a while. That and I know Microsoft is trying to push touch, but the problem is, for an example, a firm like mine that we have multi monitors on everybody's desk. You know why? Don't optimize for touch interface because I can't deploy that. Yeah, that's not happening. Because I'm not going to replace. You know, two 24-inch monitors on everybody's desk with two 24-inch touch-capable monitors.
1: That's not like
2: what I have. <laughs> I mean, it's so you know, you know, give me the start button. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's... I mean, I'm wondering if this is a sign of Microsoft's kind of going the HP route, where they're stripping their, you know, initial hardware inventory just to get rid of it um oh. and then getting out of the market from the hardware standpoint um you know now that the uh you know that your first tier OEM manufacturers are beginning to offer tablet devices
1: right it was well, really I
2: mean, microsoft went into the hardware space anyway
1: yeah it was like i get it i get it for the xbox but for this i i just thought wow
0: well, I think the, the hardware is the least plan to stick around through the rest of the year because there was some kind of strategy slide that was leaked or shown earlier about a month ago or in the last few weeks stating that Surface was going to be getting a, mass, a, a bunch of updates, both on the accessories front and on the hardware front.
2: Hmm. We will have to see. Yeah, I know. I, I'm thinking it's a Microsoft's going to cut their losses. I mean, it's almost it's a almost billion dollars and a quarter. Of just yeah, you know. that's
1: – and that's I, right. I don't know how they're – I don't know with statistics or actual facts how their phones are doing. But anecdotally, I know I don't know anyone with one of them. Well, no, I know one person with one. Um, one person of all the people I know has one
2: of those.
0: Do they Everybody like it?
2: There was even a report today that the iPhone is continuing to outsell the newest Android devices through Verizon.
1: Wow. Um, to answer your question, the guy I know that has it loves it, but he's also a professional Microsoft engineer type oh, guy. I mean, he doesn't work that's for Microsoft, but MC. that's all he does is SharePoint and Exchange.
2: Uh, yeah. He's a fanboy.
1: He's drank a lot of Kool-Aid. <laughs> Let's put it that way. Well and also, um
2: this past week, um, the original Knights of Old Republic um had its tenth anniversary, which by where I mean, I guess that you can call it a celebration, they um basically had some of the original <laughs> developers blog about it a little bit, but for those of us who are subscribed to Knights of the Old Republic at the moment, we actually got an extra 500 cartel points, which is the equivalent of our one month of our allotment. So, not too shabby in a of it's itself. I was pretty happy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's just like just here's an extra bonus points for the for the anniversary of the game that kind of kicked off you know the game you're playing now kind of thing. So, yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. So it's not. I mean, there's not a. um as a subscriber, there's not a huge amount of uh, need for for the points, you know, unless you're, you know, really going for cosmetic items or whatever. But
1: still, nice. How how many cartel points did you spend to get your skimpy outfit for your your
2: chick? Um, actually, I did not spend any cartel points for that. R- because, really? Um, oh, did you just buy it? I just bought it. Yeah. Ah, I see. I basically, I used one of my higher level characters as as the as the bank to. You know, bankroll my my skimpy outfit. So <laughs> it was like uh, I don't know, probably like sixty thousand credits. It wasn't terrible. That's not too bad. No, I think each each piece was like anywhere from eight to fifteen thousand a piece. I didn't get the, the high. I mean, some of them go for fifty or sixty thousand a piece for some of the more rare ones. But
1: yeah. now that you can dye them,
2: who cares which one you get?
1: <laughs> totally doesn't
2: matter. Yep. Yeah. So. So now I have the the purple and the gold still, so which was unbuyable from before. Um, let's see. The last last one on my in this little block here is uh, the original Guild Wars. The devs are saying that the current, I guess, original Guild Wars was passed about six months ago with um, technology that was supposed to put it kind of on, um, I guess, caretaker type maintenance. Oh, it's
0: in the it's in the home.
2: Well, but they you know, they actually <laughs> said once once um once Guild Wars two so. was released that they were not going to release additional content for Guild Wars. So they the last update was to kind of automate the maintenance side of that. And uh now they're saying that it could theoretically run forever. I'm like Yes, but you are a subsidiary of uh, NCSoft, so that's not going to happen.
1: <laughs> it, just, it just drags its oxygen tank down the hall. In
2: theory, it could run forever. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's theoretically. you making a profit.
1: I yeah, am, I'm not having I any am, of that. I am not at all bitter about City of Heroes or Tabula Rasa, i tell you right now. I'm, I'm totally,
2: totally... Hey, I, I love the original Guild Wars. One of my favorite games, but...
1: Absolutely. Still think it holds up better than some MMOs out there. Right? I oh really, yeah! Oh yeah! I, I want to go I, to that. And the and the yeah the when you actually play it like Guild Wars is supposed to be played. The that we're going to talk about later. <laughs> yep, it's a pretty damn good game. So I hope it sticks around longer than NCSoft would like it to.
0: <laughs> Back to Microsoft, I want to talk about them again, just because this is a potential interesting licensing threat, I'm thinking. Their most serious rivals, Apple, I think some people would call Apple a serious rival for Microsoft. Apple's looking to purchase the company that developed Microsoft's Kinect camera. The company is named Prime Sense. I think they're based over in the Middle East, if I remember correctly. Yeah, they're is an, an Israeli company, and so Apple wants to purchase the 3D sensor and chip developer PrimeSense. So yeah, the entire kit and caboodle for it, 280 million. And if that goes through, what happened is they were just kind of doing some talks about integrating some of that technology into a future Apple product. And Apple's like, hey, why don't we just buy you?
1: <laughs> <laughs> why? Why should we date when we can just, you know? Or you should should our make you our no. love slave. No, not the product, the company. I don't want to be buying you dinners here or there and <laughs> dealing with little kisses. And <laughs> These meetings would be so much easier if you were on our payroll. I would really, really <laughs> rather just go straight for the kill. <laughs> I got off, the frame... hotel room booked for the next 20 minutes. Sorry.
0: <laughs> Prime, sense only, Prime Sense is has multiple claims of fame it's not just the Kinect sensor. it's also done stuff for other companies such as it's worked with asus or asus as apparently it's supposed to be pronu- asus. pronounced
1: asus man he's he a wicked old lowrider <laughs> he's got a chain steering wheel and he's got the spinners and that thing it can bounce all high it's got wicked old hydraulics oh sorry <laughs> i don't know where that came from <laughs>
0: It just <laughs> rolls right off the tongue.
1: This <laughs> <laughs> just reminded me of middle school. I, I don't know why.
0: <laughs> the companies also made products and worked on projects for the healthcare industry, robotics industry, and also retail stores. Now, those companies, including Microsoft, may end up paying Apple licensing fees. It'll be really interesting to see what happens, or if Apple tries to just shut some of the stuff down. We will
1: see. Jeez. Going to be wicked.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but enough about Microsoft. For now. <laughs> for,
1: the na- for the nows. Well, I want you all to know that you matter in Mojang's next game as much as you do in Minecraft. <laughs> well, this is from a Polygon article about scrolls. Um, Are you guys familiar with this at all? I was not until I read this article.
0: Well, I remember we talked about I know about it's their how, next game. Yeah, and, and there See, was I've... a lawsuit between them and Bethesda beca- over the Scrolls name and
1: Right. Bethesda's
0: like you can't name your game Scrolls cuz people will mix it up with Elder Scrolls.
1: Yeah, it's like and this is younger Scrolls. Don't worry about our Middle Age Scrolls. <laughs> it's just not Elder. Yeah. Um what's you know so i've i've been all about their new escape to the sea or whatever thing and uh of course minecraft i love that game too i never really looked at scrolls oddly enough and i should have because it appears to be kind of like a combination of magic the gathering which i just love and um some of the tactics games yeah. minus minus fallout tactics of course but um, you know, more like um, might and magic or something. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's 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 looking pretty good. Unfortunately, its tutorial is really bare bones. But what's cool is there's this humongous community for this, just like there is for Minecraft, just like there is for their next next game, um, which will be the space one. And the the coolest part about it is that the community is just all over the place and making, in in providing, you know, encouragement and providing guides and providing everything you would need to, to play this game. And Mojang couldn't of course be happier about it. Now there's, uh, the bare bones tutorial, but then when you start playing it, I guess they have, you know, different levels of gameplay. Um, and a lot of folks for this game are kind of Kind of asking for the AI to be a little easier, and uh, Mojang is like, "Yeah, you know that that makes a lot of sense." Um, did you Did you guys look at the trailer for this, or have you been following it all? Or I tend to
0: avoid collectible card games.
1: Man, I'm <laughs> really, really, seriously going to make you play Magic: The Gathering someday. Because I'm
0: really seriously not going to play it
1: <laughs> because I know you you like like good art design and stuff. I and, do, I and do. it's got such great art and. Um, the, the the mechanics of that system are Mark, just. It awesome. may be
2: like the line of coke on the on the table in the party. You know, it's just you know,
1: <laughs> if you ever do it, you're yeah, hooked. <laughs> then you will be like crazy about it. It'll be, I'm buying all the antiquity stuff. It's, I'm the totally mix- bankrupt and living yep. in my parents' basement. But goddamn it, I got like. I got my whatever. The next time he
2: comes over to do the podcast, he has this big, you know, Samsonite case full of cards. I I don't (laughs)
1: trust leaving this at home; someone could steal it. I have to keep it with me at all times, even when I shower. To his wrist. (laughs) Yep. Exactly. But anyway, it's a work in progress. It's in development, but of course, as with all the games, as soon as possible, you can buy it at a lower price point and play it now. And um there is um a lot of a lot of hope that it's gonna be a really fun game. So I don't know. Looks did you I I don't think you guys looked at it much, but it looks pretty cool.
0: I looked at the screenshots, I was kind of impressed that it's got a hex grid system for yeah. some of the gameplay, which was an unexpected twist for a card game where I just usually expect to see, alright, put your card down here.
1: Yeah, that's that's why I was saying it's kind of like a hybrid between a typical collectible card game and like one of those games with some some tact like unit based tactics.
0: And it has really nice art too. It's kind of lizard esque, kind of cartoonish but polished.
1: Yeah, it it looks nice. They're they are predicting that they will see more single player than multiplayer play out of this, which I think is really fascinating. And I think some people do feel more comfortable. You know, playing against the AI than playing, uh, you know, against real people. I am not one of those people. (laughs) I I really enjoy dominating people in real life, um, as opposed to uh, you. You know, the AIs and the games.
0: Running up to them and pinning them on the ground. Yeah, (laughs) and then peeing on them.
1: (laughs) I I like to kick it like R. Kelly sometimes. It's all good, <laughs> but yeah. Any, but anyway, <laughs> I'm not even going to look look into scrolls. You you will matter. Um, in in other less sinister, um, urine based news, <laughs> um, <laughs> there was a a recent um study done. Speaking of children, speaking of children. <laughs> Now we will begin our Nambla. Does everyone know the Nambla membership uh, slogan? Oath. Touch, touch not that which doth not grow nearby. Um, no, anyway. Um, <laughs> that That's of course referencing the horrible, wonderful uh, South Park, where they decided to label all all. Uh, pedophiles is belonging to a club called NAMBLA, North American man, man, wait, North American man, man, boy love association. Yeah. Which is horrible. Everything about it's horrible. The joke's even horrible. But Mark can't let it go. (laughs) (laughs) No. No. Anyway, this was done by the national Academy of sciences of the United States of America. And, um, what they determined was illusory ownership of a virtual child. <laughs> 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 I can't read it now. <laughs> Let me try. <laughs> I must calm down. This is a perfect story <laughs> <laughs> to that up with. Illusory <laughs> ownership of a virtual child body causes overestimation of object sizes and implicit <laughs> attitude changes. And so what they did is they <laughs> they set up this, like, VR environment for people to play in where everything around them was, like, giant-sized and their field of view was, like, three to four feet off the ground and then studied what happened to the people that were subjected to this. Um, they were molested and, by the researchers?
0: Seriously, you're talking about this right after we talked about this. <laughs> Man, boy, <laughs> everything's larger.
1: <than laughs> hey, if if you can't, if you can't be serious about this, we can just stop the podcast right now. <laughs> I
0: admire that you're able to just keep going on with the stream, This tone Is voice.
1: very serious stuff here. We're learning a lot. Very scientific, about the human psyche here. So anyway, they conducted the study and they found out. With with VR and all kinds of other cool stuff, that yeah, really started to ca- elicit in the subjects responses similar to that of a child, and I I thought about it and I thought you know I mean that's basically the gist of the story. They talk about how they did and everything, but mostly that was the conclusion: it was the more you're you're placed in an environment where you are a child, the more childlike you act. Have any of you guys played Half-Life, or not Half-Life, uh, Fallout 3 um, at all? No. Yeah, I have. Do you remember when you were, when you, after you were born and you were in the little playpen, did you, like, totally dig that? Because I kept trying to escape from the playpen and try to figure out a way to potty somewhere. <laughs> I just wanted to pick up a gun and shoot somebody, so... Yeah, okay, well, I guess it worked for me. I guess I would be... <laughs> Well Scott as a child shot people apparently. Yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> I hadn't thought of it that way. Yeah. That that explains a lot. It's um
2: I turn it to the side so it doesn't kick up in my little bitty chubby fingers.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, well I certainly did think it was kind of a really cool idea and fun to be stuck yeah, know, I was Kicking this little—I was a beach ball. I was kicking a beach ball around and just trying to be mischievous, and it was really cool. So, maybe it, be attractive kind of... to your
2: doctors there.
1: Hmm.
0: And it's also—it's an interesting statement for gamers who might try to eschew or avoid playing a game that stars a younger figure, because like, oh, but there's all these dude bro games where I can play as a grown adult running around shooting stuff whereas that you can have an experience that's unique and completely not not entirely reproducible in those types of games by playing a game that actually stars a child character and unfortunately the only thing that's coming to my mind is Limbo which is incredibly dark and violent
1: (laughs) (laughs) I was thinking about
2: that was the other example
1: I could have gone to but I was like yeah that's uh, every time you die in limbo, it's a horrible death. For and to see that happen to a child is never good. Plus, it's not
0: Nintendo. There's lots of games that feature or
1: Bioshock, you know. Or Bioshock, yeah. Those little the little girls that um, little sisters, yeah,
2: little sisters.
1: <laughs> or fear. There's fear. Yeah, that well, really uh, nice little girl that. <laughs> in, in in more in more
2: positive news. PlayStation 3 game, The Last of Us? I mean, there's
0: a child in that. Dystopian, horribly depressing game.
1: (laughs) um, Of it. Oops, spoiler, sorry. (laughs) Allow me to attempt a segue to something far more positive. And that would, of course, be from Polygon, the the story about how Microsoft says the U.S. government is stopping us from sharing NSA snooping details. Oh, uh, that's not more positive, but interesting nonetheless.
2: So, um of course they're stopping them from sharing how they
1: do that. Yes, they are. What's really I mean it's total BS anyway. Um Microsoft, Yahoo, Google, everyone has been kind of crying foul that the NSA won't let them, you know, tell us the the general public um, what's really going on and, and how deep this goes. What's interesting about Microsoft is that, of course, they now own Skype. And we know that the NSA's PRISM program is collecting metadata on all the phone calls occurring um, that, that that's within the United Should States. Should
2: we end this conversation before the black helicopters come in?
1: Oh, they're already there. I can hear them, and there's a black van across. <laughs> <laughs> so what – so we know that they're collecting metadata, so that means that they're not recording the actual call, but they are recording who called whom at what time. And from that, you can pretty quickly build kind of a, a, a network of, oh, I, you know, you you can almost go with the whole guilt by association thing with this. Also, it is believed... Seven degrees of Kevin Bacon, exactly. Right, exactly. They, they believe that, most people believe that with five zettabytes of storage that this stuff's being kept in perpetuity because that's just a start. This is the gigantic 100,000-square-foot facility in Utah um, where Prism is located, that they're storing pretty much everything they can about metadata for calls as well as anything that they can sniff off the Internet that's not encrypted and some stuff that is because they're pretty sure that as technology evolves, uh, they will eventually be able to uh, uh, decrypt that stuff. Also, there's the concern that they'll be able to get the um root uh keys from a bunch of, you know, providers of things like SSL uh and other encryption um techniques to be able to just, you know, easily view whatever the hell they want. So a lot of the stuff's being recorded. What's funny is I I honestly believe that companies like Microsoft, Google, uh Yahoo, I don't believe that Microsoft really has, like, some kind of a closet located at their location because the the technology behind Prism is all for the carriers. The, the funny thing is that, you know, companies like AT&T, Level 3, um, you know, I don't know, Cox, all these guys that are big carriers across the United States, they're the ones where they have basically got, like, a splice going on across their internet feeds just as close as they can be to Microsoft, Google, Yahoo, um, where they are sniffing all the traffic and recording it. So um, Microsoft would probably love to say, yeah, we we really don't have um, some kind of massive export going of all of our data because, before it even gets to us or comes out of us, it's already being sniffed, cataloged, and recorded by the NSA anyway. So, unfortunately, with the gag order going on right now, they can't say that. So, they're they're kind of left with, man, this makes us unhappy because we'd really like to say it's not our fault. And they'd really like to probably point the finger at people that they're using as their carriers, but they can't. Mm. Leaving me feeling really kind of proud to be an American <laughs> I don't know scott you you have any thoughts on this since you're a uh... i'm I'm of the
2: you know I'm of the opinion there's so much data being gotten that yes it's being stored and it's probably in the you know large wooden box right next to the Ark of the Covenant that Indiana Jones rolled into that big warehouse in
1: 1949.
2: <laughs> so, you know, it's it's the grain of sand on the beach theory,
1: right? Know? Well, you know, I mean, a lot of us, I think, have lived for with just corporate stuff. I mean, we've lived for a long time thinking you don't type anything on IM or yeah, I anything mean, an email that you wouldn't shout into a crowded room. Exactly.
2: I mean, you know, you know, every every email that has your, you know, your signature stamped on it with the company logo is on company letterhead. So, I mean, right. it's not it's not rocket science. Um but at the same time, I also know how hard it is to for just a normal person to even understand how to find their own files that they know they stored and where they stored them. So, complex yeah. systems have complex problems and so I'm not really worried about it. <laughs>
1: I hear you. You know, uh, speaking of that, I I looked up on Skype. I was curious after reading the story if it's encrypted or not, and apparently our our communications right now as we record this podcast are encrypted and they're also decentralized. So, we're we're not like going back through the Skype servers. Every packet of our VoIP conversation isn't going back there. We're we're totally decentralized, and we're basically peer-to-peer. It just depends on who has opened up their firewall or doesn't have a firewall uh, as far as like adjacency to neighbors um, goes to determine the, the actual path across the Internet. But there's nothing to say that the setup set and close down of the call isn't being you know, easily gotten by the NSA for that metadata repository they're building. So, I don't know. Um, they can have it. It's okay. That's what I say. If they know that, wow, every Thursday night Mark does a some kind of a Skype call with people in the domestic U.S., one which lives just uh, m- less than a mile away, uh, that's totally cool with
2: me. It's, it's our splinter cell.
1: Right, it is our splinter cell. <laughs> <laughs> what they don't know is the nuclear bomb in my basement is nearly complete. <laughs> well, and as we're talking about servers coming
2: back online and this kind of stuff, we can talk about End of Nations. We'll go back to gaming news.
1: Can mm. um, I take my tinfoil hat off now? You can.
2: Well, I don't know.
1: We're talking about the End of Nations. so Oh, that's true. I'll put it back on, but kind of askew. <laughs>
2: um, you know, no and I saw the beta of of Indian Nations a couple of years ago at PAX, right before it was, I mean, it was looked to be very close to release then as an RTS and then was kind of dropped off the map. And then now it's coming back as a MOBA. So I don't know how <laughs> that's going to work, but um, mm-hmm. I actually thought it was a pretty viable RTS. I thought it was, um, I thought a real time, you know, Outside of like total annihilation, there hasn't been a lot of innovation in the real-time strategy genre, and I'll even say, outside of adding story, even StarCraft and things like that has not added innovation per se. I would say. No, the War- in-
1: innovation was the story, but they already yeah. had that. I mean, so- I would say
2: that you know Warhammer forty thousand probably added more innovation to RTS in the last five years than anything else, but. Um, I was really interested in the game, and I'm not so much interested in it now. I, I really think they're just jumping on the bandwagon.
1: I was over at a friend's house over the weekend, and they were playing. The kids were playing uh, a a uh, Lord of the Rings game on the Xbox, and it was a linear, like a, it was like a straight line from east to west Moba. Yeah,
0: yeah, uh-huh. that's one that I've been wanting to try. Guardians looked, of something?
1: Yeah. I just looked at it and I was like, okay, there's no resource gathering going on and I can see the map. I was like, you're playing a MOBA. And, and of course, my friend's son said, what are you talking about? And I said, oh, it's a MOBA. And he's like, what do you mean? And I said, "I ah, just enjoy it. It's great. But it seems to be the MOBA thing is just the secret sauce for success, they think. It's, you know, Flavor of the Week. It'll... It'll pass. Yep. Yeah. Speaking of passing, Viacom has lost the Harmonix lawsuit and must now pay $299 million in disputed bonuses. Does that make you all sad?
0: <laughs> I remember talking about this throughout the years, the back and forth, the selling off of the company, and then the bonus debate. And it's cool to see this time the developer actually wins.
1: Yeah, they did. Yep. Um, MTV Networks, a subsidiary of Viacom, purchased Harmonix in September 2006 for $175 million, and Viacom ended up selling the studio in November 2010. And the terms of the acquisition include earn-out payments to be made to Harmonix's former stockholders, depending on the studio's performance in 2007 and 2008. Of course... That wasn't something that really was what they wanted to do. Um, <laughs> so they didn't. so, <laughs> so we don't like paying it. you, so we're not. <laughs> yeah, they paid one hundred and fifty million two thousand and seven, but but determined that it owed the stockholders that owed the stockholders nothing in two thousand eight, and later sought a refund for its earlier payment. Um, but yeah, it looks like that has been decided, and they need to pay up. Um, just the thought of like I don't even know where Harmonix is right now. I mean, do you do you know Noah or Scott? I mean, what are they?
2: Where did they end up going? Yeah, How, are they even a company anymore?
0: Yeah, they are. They they had a big game announcement at E3. They're making Fantasia Music Evolved hmm. for Microsoft and Connect, and they're I think. They're working on another evolution of rock band
1: Now that's exciting, yeah, um of course, you know it'll it'll have to go a long way to compete with rocksmith's technology, but yeah, I really, really, as a person who spent countless hours playing rock band and singing awkwardly, only to be mocked later by Noah when I sang that horrible head like a whole song
0: <laughs> uh,
1: I can only say that I really would love to do that some more. Well, only maybe not with as much alcohol in my system. So. <laughs> um, or subject everyone to m- playing Rocksmith with me, which is equally horrifying. Um, but yeah, I, I, was, I really want things to go well for Harmonix. That's cool that the, at least the stockholders are getting something. I just don't know what's going on with the actual employees. But um, kind of cool to see Viacom actually lose one.
0: Another blast from the past is coming courtesy of Firefly. So a while ago, there was a multiverse game system created, and there were several franchises that were going to launch games based off of that, Firefly being one of them, and it ended up getting canned, I think, in the last year. But lo and behold, the franchise is making a return on mobile phones. There is an a social online role playing game is what it's being called that's going ah! to on iOS and Android based smartphones and tablets next summer.
2: It's a Facebook game.
0: Yeah, this was revealed over on uh, over at San Diego Comic Con, which is running during the time of our recording. Not much was shown except for a conceptual trailer showing lots of planets and ships kind of just randomly floating and moving around in a space-like environment. So not really sure. But there is an official website that you can go to, keepflying.com, to keep track of the game and find out exac- exactly how it's going to manifest.
2: It's no Star Citizen, I'll tell you that. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Nothing is... Another
0: television property that we're fond of is Battlestar Galactica. So as soon as I see anything Battlestar Galactica related in the headline, of course I click it. And this is unfortunately not directly related to Battlestar Galactica, but one of the screenwriters for the show who also went to work on Caprica, as well as the older series with Jessica Alba, Dark Angel, is now working working with God of War developer So. Sony Santa Monica on an unannounced secret project, and people are thinking that it's something space based because well, they're bringing this dude in who has got a lot of experience with space drama That's and there was yeah. yeah, and there was a teaser poster or message or whatever you want to call it, that players found within the most recent God of War Ascension, which is kind of like a multiplayer Smash Brothers fighting game, that showed a picture of Earth. And the message under under it said, when the Earth stops, the journey begins. So who knows? Maybe the Earth is going to have some apocalyptic exercise in this upcoming game that the screenwriter is working on. Michael Angeli is his name. And then people leave Earth to look for something else. Kind of Titan A.E. style. That's almost the plot treatment for that that I just mentioned. Either way, I want to see how it turns out, because Battlestar Galactica, one of my favorite series of all time.
2: Oh, very, so good! Very good use of a very, um, a very obscure uh, animated movie from the '90s. Very good. <laughs> hey, I know that you like that movie
0: as much as I do because I do, and it acting. has a
2: great soundtrack.
0: It does. It has a kick-ass soundtrack, and you used several songs from that soundtrack. Oh, I love that. It's one of my favorite soundtrack.
2: albums. Sadly, yeah. I mean, it's it is it's a really great, great soundtrack.
0: It's got an awesome mix of pop rock, but yeah. And a fan not fan.
2: a terrible movie. I mean, it really is a good movie.
0: Uh, yeah, I, I own it. I liked it a lot, actually, much more than I expected. I went in very skeptical because oh, there yes. was a lot That's of negative right. press, but it was great.
1: So, entertainment for the ninth.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. Our tenth <laughs> tangent.
1: <laughs> we we've covered a lot of the fallout from 38 Studios' um, fall from grace and the the investment in them by Rhode Island, which is quite unfortunate. Um, and, you know, how Kingdoms of Amalur, the Reckoning came out, but the the actual full game never surfaced, I think. And Well, with all this stuff, one disgruntled Rhode Islander came up with a really sarcastic commemorative plaque, which I think is just an awesome idea. Um, and so it's got on the left side, it's got this 38 Studio. It looks really pro, too. It's got thirty-eight studios. It's got on the right side it's got a picture of Kurt Schilling in his prime as a pitcher for the Red Sox. And then it says, Thanks, seventy five million, Kurt. And uh, <laughs> an exclamation mark. <laughs> and uh I I I just, I just love it. As an aside, I
2: mean I really think Kurt Schilling gets a bad rap for all that. I mean the dude basically blew his entire Savings. Oh yeah, <laughs> no. I mean it's it's not like he didn't go all in and he fleeced the entire state for money. I mean,
1: <laughs> no, it totally hosed him. I think he's doing like some some kind of like sports casting stuff or at least oh, he's yeah. an expert I mean, now. He's to try to his,
2: he's selling his autographs for 500 a
1: piece at every, you know,
2: car yeah. shop. and so I mean it, it yeah, it,
1: I think he had the best of it. It's not like he was a swindler or something. It just no. If anything,
2: you should vote out all those morons who invested
1: the state funds into a coming game company. Come on. They were the real villains. Who the hell bets on a video game? It's like – it's almost as bad as betting – well, no. It's probably worse than betting on a restaurant – or not a franchise, but a restaurant to be successful. I mean the the rate on that is just horrible, but – but anyway, um you can go to the store where this is displayed and visit it in uh Providence, Rhode Island. Um you can even purchase
0: the, it for a very intriguing price.
1: Yeah, you can buy it for 60 bucks. 59.99,
0: yeah. the price of a standard 99. video game.
1: Yeah, hey, sure part co- of the joke. Coincidence or something far more sinister. I wonder how many of these he has. <laughs> I'm sure this isn't the only one. <laughs> Um, I love it. That's sarca- sarcasm at its finest. Yeah. So in other news, I have finally found a way to get my kids into World of Warcraft. They're they're ages four and six, so this should be perfect. Um, World of Warcraft will be getting its first official children's book. It's based on the World of Warcraft franchise and will go on pre-sale later this year and make its premiere at BlizzCon. They announced this at, a, at nice. San Diego's Comic Con today. The um, the book is called Snow Fight and was written by Senior VP of Story and Franchise Development Chris Metzen, who I've heard interviewed a few times, and he sounds like a cool dude. Um, it's illustrated by Blizzard artist Wei Wang, not one of the pilots of the plane that recently crashed in uh, San Francisco. I'm assuming you've all seen the the misinformed newscast that listed all kinds of horrible names for the pilots no oh my gosh somebody pulled a joke on them and then they like listed the pilots or the crew name of the flight that crash landed in san francisco is like Wei wong um uh, oh my oh my oh gosh i can't remember them all but it was really horrible um and it of course got shown on the air so the whole um oh, great studio was like, Oh but anyway, back to something positive. <laughs> <laughs> back to happy. Yeah. yeah. Put on your happy pants. <laughs> Chris Metzen has and Scott just put on pants if you could. Um but Chris Metzen has been saying that he's watched his Rugrats Grow Up Alongside World of Warcraft, which will turn nine years old this November, and that they've been curious about the characters and lore. I always thought the idea would be really cool, Metzen said, with the unexpected expression to children, expansion to children's books. There was just something about these ideas that just felt really fun and like getting back to basics. Metzen said the smaller scale book was a nice change of pace from the massive hardcover lore and art books Blizzard traditionally trades in. Um, so, yeah, it's it's it looks really good. Like uh, I think Noah was commenting earlier that the art's appropriate and everything and it's supposed <laughs> to have a little story. Um. You know, probably. I, I'm have you guessing. It? I have not pre-ordered it. One of them looks like a chamois to me. The other one, I don't know about. But I hope it's a warlock, so that you can cast such wonderful spells as drain life. And,
0: uh, <laughs> I'm sure that's going to be in the children's <laughs> book. <laughs>
1: summon, summon, you know, demon and and succubus, uh, uh, demonic bondage man. and yes. dominion, and yeah. Um. You know. So I'm looking really looking forward to that i will i will check it out for my kids so i think it'd be cool i'll bridge the gap between grown-up super nerd and children
0: <laughs> but you've already been working on that because you've been having your son he's been playing what is it marvel ultimate alliance and then some oh other- yeah
1: lots of xbox games and he's big mm-hmm. on the marvel stuff and now he runs around the house singing um, Black Sabbath's Iron Man at the top of his lungs all the time, which is really cool. Although he's got the lyrics all wrong, but they're, they're cute to hear. So,
0: <laughs> Well, that is a wrap for our, our Massive News Gauntlet. We are now going to get into readdressing Dungeons & Dragons online and our decision to leave it. Because as Scott pointed out, he, he, called, he called us on it via email saying we really should do a better job of talking about why the game failed to keep us engaged for a full two months. Because as it turns out, I think we only ended up having five sessions in the yeah, game, which is only one more session than we spent in the secret world. But I would say that those games definitely didn't incite the exact same that bad. No. It was
2: not that bad. No. It was not secret Oral bad. No. Um, I would argue that we probably... At the minimum, one possibly two sessions, just on the simple fact of we're supposed to do eight in Secret World is the only reason why we were in there. So, yeah. Um, but no, I uh, yeah, I didn't know if I was going to be joining tonight, so I had written out some of the stuff that um, we kind of called through the group, so this was not all me. Um, but um, there were several reasons why I think DDO really just didn't it i think it's failings built over time i I, you know like the first week it wasn't so bad the week after that it got a little worse The week after that it got worse um the one the one that i think all of us complained about though i think is the level progression um now granted it plays like you know dungeons and dragons so really there's not a huge number of levels like there are in most mmos but the uh the subgroup advancement, where you do the, tip, the tick marks to get to the next level and all that, I know, you know. it's supposed to kind of imply you're advancing. But those things, you know, spending those points didn't really seem to have any effect. You know, you didn't know what was a good a good way of spending it or not, and nothing seemed to, you know, I couldn't really tell any change when I did that kind of stuff. Um so because of that when you did level I mean I think all of us made it to just to the upper edge of level 3. I don't think any of us made it to level 4. Mm-hmm. Um I mean it was just too slow. I mean I can understand you know like playing a barbarian. I mean they're kind of front loaded with power anyway um in Dungeons and Dragons. So I can't I can't even imagine trying to play the bard class or the casting class that uh Aggie played. I mean, you would just—it would seem like you would be gimped the entire game session that we played.
0: Yeah, and I think there was just really lame mechanics going on with the bard's abilities in that not only were was I constrained by how many times I could use it, and it was a really low number. Like I had two casts until unless I rested or I went to an inn or used one of those special statues, and so I was using my little character upgrades to increase to three casts, and then I ultimately got to four casts. But even then, if we're running around in a group of six people, which isn't too large, it's 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 slightly large for a traditional Dungeons and Dragons group, but none of my spells as a bard, which were musically based, worked on on the group. They were all single target, which in my mind just doesn't even make sense. Everyone can hear the music that I'm playing. I'm not listening. I'm not listening. is like, cover your ears. I'm going to cast this spell. It's not going to affect any of you except my favorite person.
1: Just, I mean, when I've
0: played Dungeons and Dragons, it has This is a love song for... Yeah, totally. I get this to is my this tribute.
1: Song, Girl, will be a woman. Is it that song? Was that what you were playing? Or is...
0: Tonight... I dedicate my love to you. No, it was neither of those, actually. Uh, But whatever I played, you can imagine what it was.
1: I think you were playing that that Alanis Morissette song. Uh, What's the one where she's, like, totally pissed off? Um, That's most of her songs, isn't it? The one, the first one we ever heard you from our first to Know. Album. You ought to know, yeah. You're singing. You ought to know to everyone yeah, else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> but I'm here to remind you that remind I only cast of, myself the, on one of the mess person. you made when you didn't draw hold aggro.
0: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh.
1: Well, and and kind of related to
2: that too. I I noticed this kind of like second or third, kind of after we got off the starter island was. I was I was really surprised actually how quickly the gear became static. Like you didn't really find anything that was any better than what you had. Um and I really you know, there's I mean, DDO, I mean Dungeons and Dragons in general is filled with items um that yeah. do different things that would have not been game breaking that you could have they could have thrown in for variety and and things like that. And it really I think it could have offset some of the you know sort of the slow plod of the character progression and it just didn't I mean it, you ran into the same thing a lot of the a lot of your gear was gated based on level so that you know even if it wasn't good you're traveling up so slow it's like oh I can use this next level which may be 8 weeks from now so <laughs> I mean I, I that really really kind of got into got under my skin um the uh, the instant group content started out good, but then within a set level, you tend to have, like, five variations on a theme. So, like the Cobalt Night where we just ran...
1: Over and you know,
2: no over. I mean, it was different quests. It wasn't the same one, but it was just Cobalt Quest, Cobalt Quest, Cobalt yeah, Quest. I got it. it. It
0: was very different. Yeah, it's
2: like there are more, you know... Damage rating one creatures in in Dungeons (laughs) & Dragons other than just Cobalt. So let's throw something else in there. Something. Um, I kind of, I mean, I guess I could understand the way they were, you know, they're trying to build the, um, you know, a, a greater story and chain those quests together and things like that. But, I mean, just, it was just not diverse enough. It just seemed like you were... Plotting through the same content over and over and over, even when it wasn't the same content. Um, the graphic engine, we all kind of complained about the, the fact that it was, um, you know, it did have somewhat of a dated, dated look to the game itself. But to me, the UI was so much more worse and really drug me out of the game, shockingly so. I was surprised how much that affected my gameplay experience just how clunky um even if it was not you know written in the old style font that eh, you know i understand you're not putting a lot of polygons on this menu bar and things like that but just the way you found things and stuff really had a dated feel to to how you actually did things with within the menus
0: and something that keeps going through my mind as we talk about this and it's pretty apt comparison is the recent Neverwinter MMO which draws from a lot of the same mechanics and it draws from some similar concepts. You're in a single city, you're going through lots of different spots but you're not really going anywhere you're oh, not traveling yeah. across to different environments and you have all these, you have lots of menus to deal with and interfaces and that but it's such a world of difference. I mean whether or not Mark and I totally fell in love with it. It was much more engaging and appealing from the get-go, obviously, than the very aged DDO.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
2: Well, the um, – and the last thing that um, – Military Scott mentioned this in an email this week that we were talking about was that you know he just – he wanted to like it, but he just couldn't. And it's the melee classes really can't – they don't do anything. All you do is click on right, and and when you when I say click, that's the default attack. There's no, you know, you may have one condition that you can throw that may add some back end calculated value, but it's a, you know, it's a a time sort of you know the next fifty seconds this condition will be in place. So it doesn't it's. You know, you're not even attacking with that skill. It's it's sort of a an extra thing outside of that. That's the, really mm-hmm. the only thing that was different than just click the button on the creature you want to kill
1: over and over and over, <laughs> right? Until click, it's dead. Click, click, you're dead. Click, <laughs> you're dead. Die, 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 die. Oh, that that is kind of how I felt. Hit too. him harder. Die, like, die, 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 die. I mean, <laughs> it's like, yeah, um, but... yeah.
2: The combat interface. I mean, it's. I think combat in in early MMOs skill based systems were put in place because the combat was not engaging. Um, so skills took the place of engaging combat, um, and the only one that hasn't really been as skill based that um, it you know that actually had sort of a a decent combat system was Age of Conan. I you know you really didn't have a huge amount of skills in there, but I mean there were no Uh, even in Age of Conan, you have chain sequences, you have things that build to do something else. I mean, it it added some variety. So where, I mean, it really, that one, I really remember that one quest where we had to kill like 60 orcs in that five-minute window. And they just kept coming in waves. And it was like, I'm getting carpal tunnel just because I'm clicking (laughs) my left mouse button over and over and over and over and over. That's all I'm doing. Um, yeah, I was really the you know I'd played through DDO some before, kind of soloed and done a little, and it it really did you the flaws really came to the surface through our playtime. Yeah. Um, and I think you know the first generation of games that jumped on the free to play this was kind of my point, you know, this, Runes of Magic, um, they either had one or the other. You either had a decent setting and poor mechanics, or good mechanics and a poor setting. Because, I mean, Runes of Magic has some decent mechanics. I mean, they have, you know, you have a primary and a secondary class, and you can mix and match skills and a complex crafting system and and all of those things, but the story is i mean it's as generic as cardboard where d d o arguably if you kind of got into reading you know some of the the atmospheric things with the dungeon master speaking and stuff like that i mean I think it had a pretty good storyline if you could get past the you know the mechanics of the game not being very appealing and it i mean the the discussion we were y'all were having last week about Eve and the destroying the you know the ship that basically was nine thousand dollars in real cash because of its rarity. Yeah. Um, I'm sure that that huge epic battle was not very fun to click through,
1: because nothing in this Eve is very fun to click
2: through. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Well, that's a broad generalization.
1: Well, I was telling you how I was watching the video of it, where people were, like, freaking out and stuff, and I was like, I don't even know what the hell he's doing. It was, yeah. I hear you, man. So anyway,
2: off my soapbox. That's what I And I I think I actually probably like Didiom better than some people in the group. I, <laughs> I mean, think Noah, so, yeah. Noah yeah, really felt- struggled. I mean, I know he did
0: this was one of those games where we had a lot of difference in opinion in terms of how much we liked it. Whereas I felt with, for instance, when we were playing world of Warcraft that everybody universally was really happy with it. And then secret world, everybody was universally against it. And then (laughs) old Republic, I think really only one person that was military Scott didn't totally like it, but the rest of us really liked it a lot. And then we had this one, I felt like it was kind of split down the middle. But that said, hopefully, our next game that we play on our Monday game nights is not going to be so divisive. And in fact, we tried to cope with that and find something that was more appealing just off the cuff in our last game night in which we played Planet Side 2.
2: I'm just curious, Noah, how you, how you found it.
0: I thought it was pretty cool. I was hoping and expecting that I would have gotten more into it than I did. But I, I can't say that I disliked it. I thought it was pretty fun. I just feel – I was kind of surprised that how, – how steep the learning curve was.
2: Well, and I mean, if you – I tend to try to go back to, like, my first days in League of Legends. The non-AI component where all, you know, all your fighting is – players on the other side who have, and they're, they're, you know, you're not tiered. I mean, you're going up against, you know, you could turn around the corner and you're, you're hitting, you know, your first night in the game and you're fighting somebody who's been playing eight hours a day since the game launched. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's no, and, um, but at the same time, it, there's so much going on that um it is it's it, for the first week, I really couldn't wrap my head around what is actually happening, What what's going on, you know, other than, oh, there's a dot over there of a different color, I need to shoot a <laughs> bit. <laughs> um, and it's still, I mean, it's still, I mean, like, the other night when we played, there are nights where it's just, because I guess you're relying on, you know, you're not in a scripted experience in any way, I mean, literally, if no one from the other team is there, it's there is no game. So, you know, your, your master, mileage varies based yeah, on... Yeah, because
0: we had to move the, several times in our last session because the odds were so stacked against us when we were there too much after the fact. Military Sky was like, all right, let's go to this place instead. Let's go to this place instead. And it was interesting how much we had to move for that very same reason.
2: Well, and some of that is... I still think they haven't gotten the the game tweaked down the way they need to. The, balanced? Um, well, not so much even balanced. Like, individually, one-on-one, it's fairly balanced. I mean, yeah. even day one guys can kill guys that play every day, all day. I mean, there's not really progression to the point where you become untouchable or anything like that. Um, But there's there's no real advantage to defending the last man. If anything, you probably get less experience doing that. Um, Oh, absolutely. There, I think they give too much experience for people not actively involved in, in the assault to, um, to take a control point. You just have to be in the vicinity. So what you end up with is a core fighting group of, Say twenty percent, and then the other eighty percent hang on, and sort of move as a zerg from point to point to point, farming experience. Well, the issue comes into if the zerg comes into play. Well, yeah, that other eighty percent will fight if they need to, but because it's so large and overpowering, there's no effective defense is ever brought to bear against it, and so it just it just sort of it's a zerg. It just sort of moves around the map and you know the other team if they want to be effective basically avoids the opposing team's zerg and captures stuff where they're not at um i think it needs to give it the the game needs to give you more points for um for defending especially defending and they should take odds into 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 account so if you you know if you're outnumbered 20 to 1 and you kill somebody you should get a a suitable experience bonus for doing it. Oh, yeah.
1: Well, yeah.
2: I mean, that's really all it comes down to, is if, you know, if I'm on the side that has 200 guys standing outside of this base, that has six guys in it defending it, if, if I kill one of those six guys, I should get very little points. And if they kill me, they should get a vast amount of points. And that would split it apart. There would be no advantage... to to grouping together and there would be advantage in actually contesting somebody taking a point as opposed to going and finding your block of players and then riding, riding the wave to gather experience. And they're trying. It's better than it was. I mean, it was, there were almost no small scale conflicts when the game first started. It was, you know, You you find you find your blob of characters and you move around and you try to try to find places where the enemy's not. I mean that, and it's like, well, this isn't really what the war game is supposed to be. Um, But now every once in a while, you'll find a great fight that'll go on for two hours, and you may sometimes after those, it's like that was so much fun, and I couldn't tell you how many experience I got if I got any in that two hour period. But it's so at that point, it's fun enough. I don't care if I'm getting experience.
1: Yeah, that's true, and it's really, really fun. You're just totally concentrating on that. I was kind of frustrated both nights just because it seemed like I rarely could kill anyone. It, uh,
2: I do. I ran. In, I run in stretches where I'm like that, too.
1: Yeah. And
2: it, and it tends to... It's very... You know, it, it goes in long stretches. Sometimes it'll be... I'll play three or four sessions. And I'm like, man, I'm totally out of off my game. What's going on? And then I'll have one session where I'll get like seven or eight kills in a row. And it's like what you know yeah and it just so happens it's just the competition you're playing against at that time yeah, yeah i guess so much variance on the other side it's just so hard to hard to tell
0: mark you'd also played a couple of weeks prior with just you and military scott you also felt this session was different for you
1: um, yeah, I felt like I I knew more about what was going on. And as far as you know, S- Scott was just talking about. I knew kind of what was going on as far as jumping from battlefront to battlefront and, k- and kind of keeping an eye on that. But I felt less effective this time, even than my first time playing it. I just I didn't feel like I was killing people, or I would be in the wrong place at the right time when we were taking a base or something, or defending. Um, you know, when I when any action occurred, it was usually just me dying. Um, and so I tried to switch over to be a medic to try to at least heal people. Um, but I wasn't successful at that either because it seemed like were, the teams that were playing um, at the different battles were good at killing the medics. So I'd get sniped or run over or mm-hmm. just brutalized. They had um, way higher, or way better outfitted assassins who were running around and doing things like dropping, you know, proximity bombs and stuff right behind me while stealths, and then you'd you'd see them run away, and then boom you'd be dead, and it was just it was really um, it was tough, and I could see how you could, you know, you would need to practice a lot to get really good at this Um, and then I'm sure there's a lot of rewards for that, because it looked like what those assassins were doing with their grenades and bombs and stuff was really cool, because it's not really what you would think the class would do, which would be you know line people up with a sniper rifle, but they were actually engaging and and stuff like that and i I think you know learning how to play the the medic and the engineer would be really fun um and and or you know all the classes really but uh yeah i just I just wasn't doing as well as I'd hoped the second time out, and that frustrated me a bit,
0: so for next week. We will not be returning to Planetside 2. We might come back to it again, though. I don't think it was a total strikeout. I think it's just something that's going to take time for us to find our groove, both as individuals and as a team. I agree. And since we're not quite ready to commit to our next MMO, this upcoming Monday, or actually today, if you're listening to this on Monday the 22nd, we are returning to our old friend... League of Legends, League of
2: Legends,
0: which I haven't touched uh, probably since last November or December.
2: Man, all patched
0: up. How about you, you? Know
2: how much rust is going to be flying off of our keyboards?
0: <laughs> oh, it's going to be so bad. But what's cool is that military Scott's going to be joining us, and he doesn't have a lot of experience with it either. So we're going to get a, a chance to all start from scratch comfortably.
1: Yeah, after his great tutelage on how to play Planetside 2, hopefully we can return the favor and, and provide him some good pointers because he was very patient both times, I think. so. Should be we're fun. still trying to
0: figure out what accounts we're going to use, if we're going to create new accounts at level one. If so, we can't tell you what those accounts would be. But if you want to join us, let us know. You can tweet us directly on Twitter or you can send us an email. to yep. mail. M A I L at dot com. You yes. can also leave a comment on the website. We might catch that as well. But the we best... hope that... go ahead.
1: Oh I was gonna say the best thing would be to Skype us and just let us know what your best, <laughs> geez. The best thing to do would be to communicate with us with either, you know, um Twitter or an email and let us know what your Skype name is. And that you want to play And then we can find you on Skype And then coordinate the, the actual League of Legends match And whatever the player names we all end up with from there
0: Yeah, that's great, that's a good idea too
1: It'll just be easier, I think, to, to get us going Yeah, so I'm so looking forward to that so. Me too, me too. Re- I was just thinking that I'm really looking forward to trying it again It's been so long
0: And we'll still have yet another game Another random game that we'll play on the subsequent week we are not quite ready to jump into our next MMO. Maybe it'll be League of Legends again. Who knows? We will see. <laughs> but Hopefully you can join us at League of Legends on Monday tonight, the 22nd at 11pm Eastern Time. That's when we're going to be there. Regular old time. And we also hope that you enjoyed this episode. Scott, thanks again for joining us on the show.
2: Oh, that's no problem.
0: And we hope everybody out there likes it. this is a little bit longer by virtue of having an extra person and having lots of news but we hope you enjoyed the extended journey with channel massive and we will be back next week